So why don't we begin with a few deep breaths to just kind of establish your intention, establish your posture. And then allow your breath to find its natural rhythm. And notice everything you can about the breath. As if it were your first breath ever. And you can watch the breath from one of two places. You can sense the sensations in the nostrils, tip of the nose, or watching the rising and falling of the belly. But post your attention at one of these two places and just leave it there. Let go of all your concepts about the breath, all your ideas and thoughts. And see how deeply you can directly experience your breath. To know this breath.
to answer the question experientially, what is going on? And now allow your attention to include your body. All the sensations. may be helpful to scan the body with your attention. From the tip of the toes to the crown of the head, slowly, Slow enough where you can actually feel your attention in every part of your body.
beginning at the toes, traveling up the ankles. Your calves or shins. And this way. And as your attention scans the body for experience and sensation, notice if there's any holding in the body. Any, any tightness. Maybe in the hands or the shoulders. Maybe in the brow or the jaw. All places of holding sometimes. Or maybe the belly. See if you can let go into those places. Dissolve this holding or tightness. Let go of our control. Right through our cushion or chair. Relaxing into our next breath.
just sitting here breathing. And when you notice that you've lost in thought, that you've gone away, gently returning back to the breath, returning back to this moment, Kind awareness, that's the practice. The only way you can do this wrong is by thinking something else should be happening. Whatever is happening is your meditation. There's no distractions. Just what is present. In-breath, out-breath.
And as thoughts arise, it may help you to label them. It's either planning or memory or whatever it is. To label it. And let the thoughts die a natural death. Bringing your attention back to the breath. may be helpful to rescan the body 
to recheck your posture, see if anything, any holding has come back, any tightness. And again, let go. Let it dissolve in the safety of this moment. Breathing in, breathing out. Notice if there's any leaning out of this present moment. Maybe toward the bell to ring or this to end. And settle back in to right here and right now. Any thought that there's a better moment coming, let it go and arrive.
How's it going? Sleep okay and stuff? Beautiful fog this morning. I miss the fog a lot. I've been living on the East Coast for about a year and a half. Never thought I'd miss the fog, but I do. So just some reminders about uh, what we're doing here and why. So much of this first foundation that we've been practicing last night, this morning, we'll continue practicing through to the afternoon. This constant redirecting our attention to the breath, to the body, to the present time physical experience. is really just in the service of having the awareness present so that we can begin to see what our relationship is to reality, to the body, to the mind. And from that place of awareness of our relationship to We can begin to change our relationship. We can begin the spiritual transformation. But only if we're here. Only if we are paying attention to the present moment. And as we all know, it's not so easy. It takes a lot of work, right? Anybody able to just tell your attention to stay and it does it? Is anybody's mind obeying them? Doubt it. It's not so easy, but it's completely possible, practical. It takes work, really. Retreat is work, training, practice. Buddhist boot camp. So through continually bringing our attention back to the breath, to the body, to the present time experience, perhaps you're beginning to see or have seen The difference between the direct experience and the concept. The difference between the direct experience of hearing and the label in the mind based on memory that says that's a bird. That's the bell. Direct experience, just vibration, the inner eardrum. Concept, based on memory. We call that a bell. We call that a bird. So this bare attention to the present time experience. 
and seeing the difference between direct experience and concepts. Agreed upon ideas, labels. Part of practice comes into awareness when we're paying attention. I will begin to see uh, the energetic level of experience in the body, sleepiness, tiredness, sloth, torpor, that kind of heavy, drowsy experience. It's often part of meditation. Or the higher energy, the restlessness, feeling of anxiousness, anxiety. See how often the body and mind are craving for pleasure. Aversive, pushing away the discomfort as we sit here and it gets uncomfortable. Just want to be more comfortable. Just want some pleasure. All of this pain business. Overrated. How can I get rid of it? Can I shift my posture? Can I allow my mind to get lost in a more pleasant fantasy? Memory of the past, fantasy of the future. This craving for pleasure. Aversion, pushing away. Avoiding pain. Or the experience of really getting caught in doubt. That energy, that experience of really getting identified, caught in the mind with all of the doubts that arise. Maybe I can't do this. Perhaps it's not the right time. Or a deeper doubt that says, this stuff couldn't possibly work for me. The Buddha was wrong. (laughs) Noah and Vinny are definitely full of shit. (laughs) I mean, look at them. Those kind of doubts that, of course they happen. So what I'm pointing towards are these very natural phenomena of the mind and body. They're to be expected. The Buddha talked about them as things that hinder our uh, spiritual progress, our meditative awareness, uh, that make it more difficult to be present when sloth, tiredness, sleepiness is present, when restlessness, anxiousness is present. When there's that leaning, as Vinny put it in the instructions, towards the next, hopefully more pleasant experience, or that leaning away from, pushing away, trying to get rid of uh, the unpleasant aversion. 
And then those doubts that are natural, that arise. And being identified with them in believing doubts. Taking it personal and saying, you know, that sort of addiction to our minds that we have. I better do what my mind tells me to because I'm just sort of a slave to it. Oh, a doubt arose. I better follow it. My mind said, maybe this isn't right for me. I better leave. So just normalizing. Those are all normal experiences. Uh, During practice. And uh, the bad news is that even when you're free from the misidentification with them, they continue to arise. It's not personal. If you have a mind and a body, enlightened or unenlightened, you're going to experience restlessness and sleepiness and doubt and desire and aversion. The Buddha continued to experience these things and talk about his relationship to these things after full liberation. So if you're judging yourself for experiencing these hindrances, let it go. Realize that this is just part of the human experience. It's not personal. It's just what the mind and body do. When we take it personal, we suffer. When we meet it with understanding, acceptance, friendliness, when we see it clearly as physical and mental phenomena arising and passing, there doesn't have to be any suffering around it at all. Easier said than done. So, gathering the attention over and over, back to the breath, back to the body, acknowledging these experiences of the hindrances, working with them, paying attention to them, And opening to this experience that Vinny talked about in the first foundation talk last night, that everything that arises passes. Every sensation that comes into awareness dissolves eventually. Every thought in the mind, every breath comes, enters, exits. No two inhalations are the same. No two exhales same. Everything is impermanent. So in this present time awareness, acknowledging, experiencing, trying to bring our relationship to the mind and body into harmony with the impermanent nature of all phenomena, Impermanence being the good news 
when what you're experiencing is unpleasant. Right? This will pass. Good news. Impermanence being the bad news when what you're experiencing is pleasant. Shit, this is going to pass. I can't hold on to it. In the afternoon, after having cultivated more concentration, present time, mindfulness of the breath and body, we'll open the instructions to the second foundation of really investigating our relationship to pleasure and pain, to the pleasant and unpleasant tone of each moment. And this is the place where we can really start to find some freedom, where we can really start to transform our relationship and see how we're constantly creating suffering for ourselves unnecessarily. But it's really hard to get in there and be present on the second foundation and the feeling tone um, until we've gathered the attention, until we've really brought mindfulness of the breath and body into the present moment. So I encourage you to really... um, Put some effort into bringing your attention back just to the simple physical experience over and over so that when we deepen, expand the instructions this afternoon, uh, you'll have a greater ability to concentrate, to be with and investigate the tone of the present moment, the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral level of experience. Many people raised their hand yesterday when they asked if this was your first retreat. And so I started thinking about my first retreat. And it was about 10 years ago in India. And uh, I was really, really excited. You know, I'd been sitting some and done some day longs. I'd been through Thailand and Nepal, and that was time for my first retreat, and it was at Bodh Gaya, you know, where the Buddha was enlightened, and, you know, I'm on the train, I, you know, I'm with my friend, and I had a lot of expectations, you know, and as the train pulled up to Bodh Gaya, Two things happened. I fainted, and then I shit all over myself. I'm not sure if that was the power of the place or the power of the dysentery. I knew it was going to pass, but I didn't think it was going to pass through me. (laughs) 
It was a long walk to that train station. If you've ever been there, it's like a mile long. So it's just lots of humility. And as I got to the retreat center, uh, it was with an English gentleman. And he, I, I like accents, you know. I love the way people talk. A little hard for me to understand, but I, I, I generally like it. And within this 10 days, you know, I went from loving this guy's accent to wanting to actually harm him. It's just amazing to watch the process of ever-changing phenomena, of pleasure, displeasure. There was one moment that I was in this retreat, and uh, me and my friend were kind of fooling around, you know, across the room, like smiling at each other and bugging out. And, and I, I started to laugh a lot, you know. And I felt really bad because I felt like I was interrupting people. And uh, so I just started thinking about every bad experience I ever had. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really going to buckle into just seriousness. And it was like an avalanche. It was like an avalanche of sorrow. And I began to cry. And I couldn't stop. And it was really profound. One of my teachers says, you know, you haven't begun your meditation if you haven't cried. You know, deep meditation, your practice. He told me that it was like a toilet, that when it's backed up, you know, some shit's probably going to come up first before it gets clear. That made sense to me. (laughs) So over the course of these 10 days that I was sitting at this retreat, I had been higher than I had ever felt. And I had experienced sorrow like I had never felt. And all of this just kind of led me to believe that a lot of the other people around me were going through the same things. You know, we're all going through this amazing array of sensations and phenomena. And that it wasn't personal to me. It wasn't just mine. And I started getting in touch with some of the characteristics of not-self. That this is not mine. And the, the other two characteristics. So the three characteristics of conditioned phenomenon, which is impermanence. And I really saw that really clearly in my experience the suffering that went along with that impermanence, and that it wasn't mine. 
there was no self at the center of these, that it was happening for everybody. I really found memories of that retreat. And without leaning too forward, I hope that you'll have some of those memories and experiences of this one. Yeah. Not the train one. No. <laughs> so we're going to do some questions and answers. Anything, any questions, concerns, requests? I have a question uh, working with pain. This is like a multiple question here. Um, as I'm sitting here, I, you know, I've got a bad knee and I'm ex- developing this process of uh, make believe I have a laser beam now, melting the butter. That's the first part of the question. Is that like something I'm just create? Should I not create that laser beam? Is that just something else that I'm creating? Is that clear? Or is there another way to? Well, um, you know, being creative, I think, is fine, personally. Uh, but what exactly is the laser beam doing? It's melting the pain? Yeah, is it right. subtly pushing it away? Or what is it? Is it it's investigating? It's sort of like I said my knee is butter and laser beam is melting the butter, which is the pain. It's dissolving away. It's dissolving it. Um, well, I think, you know, we each need to make the practice our own. It may be interesting to pay attention a little closer and see, you know, is this subtly, you know, I'm pushing it away by melting it. I'm trying to get rid of it. Uh, and also investigating, like, well, is this pain permanent anyways? Is it a solid experience of pain? Or is it actually self-melting? Right? Is it the, its very nature of sensation that it's changing? Maybe sometimes it's increasing, sometimes it's decreasing. Um, that the heat of attention itself, which maybe is what you're seeing as the laser beam, does bring awareness to the process of melting. As Vinny said, with the mind, allowing this unpleasant sensation to die its own natural death, to melt, to dissolve, because it's its nature to melt anyways. That's the first part of the question. The second part is, it's, it seems like when I'm, I'm trying to follow my breath, you know, constantly, and I'm being pulled away constantly, so I'm just as hell with it. I'll just concentrate on the pain. And when I'm doing that, it seems like I'm losing this place here, and I'm going outside. Is this, it, this is real hard to explain. This it is makes, like my center. Makes sense. And it seems like when I concentrate on my pain, it, it's fine to concentrate on my pain because I can break it up, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then it seems like it's going over here mm-hmm. instead of bringing my pain here. Mm-hmm. Is there a method to... <laughs> is, that, 
Is that clear? I think the question's clear. Vinny, do you want to say anything about that? Do you have a thought? No. Um, well, the piece, the way that I hear it is that um, you have to let go of this desire to be centered in the central aspect of your body. The knee is the body, right? And so rather than breath and, you know, belly, chest, heart, uh, this is your practice. It's your body, right? It's not outside. You're not being drawn outside of the body just to, a, you know, extremity, to a limb. It's your practice, right? That's your focus. And actually, you'll probably get more concentrated by allowing the pain to be your attention because it's so compelling. The breath is so subtle. It takes a lot of effort. But the pain is so compelling that if you really just use that as your mindfulness of the body, you'll really be there with it. Um, so the practice is going to be letting go of whatever conditioning or desire has you thinking like, no, this is the place that I want to pay attention in the central line of my body. And, you know, realizing that the knee, you know, it's all body. Just as good as a place to pay attention to. Right. What's sitting on your shoulders is the greatest computer known to man <laughs> or woman. 11 million bits of information a second you can process. It's just doing what it does. Right? Sometimes it's different and sometimes it's really busy. Sometimes it's visual, sometimes it's auditory, right? So just, you're noticing it, and that's good. And a lot like the talk last night, I'm asking you to keep your attention on your experience and not get too far out, even to me, right? Even to that, right? Because that's just mind, right? So where we get caught up or hooked is thinking that it should be different, right? We think it should be different. We're meditating. Don't the mind, doesn't it know? I paid hundreds of dollars to be here. <laughs> this is what I got every day. Isn't there a spirit rock channel I can click to? <laughs> the, mind, the mind is like stolen cable. You don't have the box. <laughs> So a lot like we were talking about the four foundations, you've jumped to, to the third foundation, which is mind. So it won't come up in the order, but we just notice, and we return to here, right? Is that clear? And I'll just, and I'll just add that, you know, also just bringing my mindfulness to it, the difference between getting lost in the lyrics of the song you know, and feeding it, 
and the liking or disliking of, oh, I love this song, or I fucking hate this song. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to have this song stuck in my head? <laughs> and just the direct experience is actually hearing. Even though it's not an external sound, it's internal. Mm-hmm. Just the direct experience, hearing, right? Seeing, you know, whatever kind of shows are playing, uh, the top ten songs and shows and whatever is arising. The bare attention is its experience of hearing, its experience of seeing. And the, then the choice, we can't control what comes on, on. you know, But we can choose moment by moment whether we pay attention to it or not. Mm-hmm. Whether we feed it or we redirect our attention and choose moment by moment to pay attention to the body. Letting the mind be in the background. Letting those thoughts and memories and songs. I've had experiences on retreat where it felt like I had the same song going for days, for weeks, in the background of my breath and body practice. And it's just... You know, it's not constant, of course, it comes and it goes, but it feels constant when it's happening, when you get that song stuck in your head. I won't tell you what it is, because then it'll be stuck in your head. <laughs> Please. Yeah. the only reason that I can accept personally uh, is that there is something about uh, it brings more energy to the body when you're upright if you're slumped there is something about it's easier to kind of get tired like the energy you know, gets blocked or something. The wakefulness energy. So there's something about being upright that allows the breath to come and go and the blood to flow better. It's a little bit more energizing. Uh, But don't be uncomfortable. Experiment for yourself. Rest against the back of your chair. See what happens. See if you fall asleep or not. If you find yourself beginning to fall asleep, straighten the posture a little bit. No, let your practice be right at your chest if that's where it's most accessible to you. You know, we say nostrils or belly because 80% of people feel it here or here. But for you, if it's the chest, that's your practice. If it's easy to access there, it's uh, maybe expanding and contracting as the breath comes and goes. Fine. So 
on knowing that that's what's happening. The Buddha's instructions, breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. Knowing that it's deep or shallow. So you're focusing on the direct experience, receiving the sensations of the breath, rather than a word or concept. Not necessary to control it or, you know, bring it into anything. You're really just witnessing, paying attention, experiencing the breath as it is. As an object of concentration, of mindfulness, allows us to concentrate on it, gathering the attention in the present moment. That's all. It's just something that's always happening, that we're bringing the attention from the thinking mind into the felt sense of the body and the breath. Make sense? Yeah. Was there another piece of the question? Was that it? Um, well, I, I want to Do you have anything to add? Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so we do want to end. You know, I don't know about that. It says here that we end at 10.30. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> we got plenty of time. <laughs> My bladder hat is ending at 10. <laughs> Let it pass. <laughs> Please. What about getting stuck in, in a, a feeling state when you're meditating? You get, sometimes you get stuck in, say you get stuck in a really down state and that starts consuming your, your ability to stay, stay focused. How do you mm-hmm. feel? Well, I think that it's a little general for me, but I would kind of take it a a bit further to assume that that downstate has uh, sensory uh, factors, that there's maybe a, if down, maybe there's a heaviness in the body. Uh, Maybe there's some sort of fears or judgments in the mind that we're kind of, playing out, maybe a heaviness in the chest, a sadness, experience of grief or sorrow. That there's a lot, you know, that what we call down or depression is so many different things happening. There's the mental phenomena, there's the physical phenomena. And, again, it's an illusion that it's permanent. Right? That it's a solid state. There's lots of different thoughts. Maybe they're arising and passing and re-arising and passing. And the body, you know, there's places in the body that probably aren't down or heavy at all. You could probably bring attention to your feet. And perhaps they don't feel down at all. You know, it's just, maybe it's even pleasant in places in the body during that experience of being down. There's probably other things happening concurrently, that aren't connected with that emotional state in the body at the same time. So you could choose to redirect your attention to another experience in the body, 
without needing to push away that experience of what we're calling being kind of down. But acknowledging, oh, this is what's happening. There's some sadness here, some fear, maybe depression, if that's what it is. And also, what else is happening? This is true. It feels this way. What else is happening? Not as a version of needing to get rid of it, but as an expanding of the present time awareness. Because there's a lot happening, right? So that's perhaps one way of working with it. And there's another level of just acceptance and just real deep investigation. Ah, this is the experience of being down. This is how it feels in my body. This is the uh, heaviness. It feels like this pressure on my chest. Look at, oh, there's all this fear in my mind, like it'll never pass. And just kind of being with it and letting it, you know, inviting it, welcoming it, rather than trying to get rid of it, rather than pushing it away. Using, oh, practice right now is mindfulness of the down syndrome. The heaviness, the depression. Welcoming it. Does it make sense? If it's overwhelming, experiment with bringing attention to the hands, the feet, places where maybe that down heaviness isn't being experienced. And then bringing attention back up, the scan that was in the instructions. Where does it start? You know, is it this sort of central heart type of? Is it all in my mind? You know, if I bring to the tips of my fingers and start bringing the attention up my arms, where does it start to get heavy? Where do I start to feel down in the body? Investigating it in that type of way. From the outside in, from the inside out. Why don't you take some questions? Please. Uh, two parts. One, um, a lot of times when I focus on the breath, right before I'm focusing on it, it's perfectly natural, smooth. All of a sudden, it just feels like if I didn't consciously take a breath in, I somehow wouldn't be able to do it. Um, it becomes really shallow, and um, like there's not enough air in the room for me to breathe. And I, um, you know, I'll sit with it for a while, and then sometimes I'll switch into just thinking like now, over and over, present moment. Is that kind of an escapist thing? Should I, I mean, with more practice, will I be able to think about my breath all the time and have it be a nice, even, natural breath? Certainly will get easier, you know? I remember the first time I was at the Zen Center, when I went out to Utah, I went snowboarding. You told me to go to that crazy Zen store. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm in this really formal sitting. You know what I mean? These cats are formal. It's like they're walking around with a stick. And I'm like, just sitting there. And they're just looking at me like, ugh. Oh, oh. You know, and I'm, I'm all noisy in my breath, you know, because I don't know how to breathe. I've been breathing my whole life, but now I don't know how to breathe, right? So it's the same thing, like we'll complicate it. Like I was talking about the walking meditation last night, where it's like I overthink it, and now all of a sudden I can't even walk. 
It's the same with the breath. You know, when we overthink it, my first instruction generally is to allow the breath to find its natural rhythm. And the truth of it is, is you will breathe. You will definitely breathe that there is no way. It's actually medically impossible for somebody not to breathe. You, you can't hold your breath and pass out even. So there's no danger in it. So you can just kind of see the natural rhythm. And I would just kind of pull back from trying to control it all. And just notice the breath. And I think it would get natural. Is that clear? Yeah. yeah. Um, Is there any other part to it? It's a little separate. So okay. when I finally overcome that, and sometimes I reach a really blissful state, and then I start thinking about my blood. Oh, I'm in this great blissful state. And I'm like, God damn it, I'm not meditating. <laughs> <laughs> and then, it, it, you know, it's just so fleeting. Mm-hmm. Is there any... Suggestions on that. You sit with it and not overanalyze. Start analyzing it. Yeah, I mean, you're noticing what's happening, and it sucks that it's ending. (laughs) I don't know that I have any, any, uh, any other instructions beside just putting it into context, context of that this is impermanence, and wow. Impermanence brings suffering, right? So you're seeing a pleasant state. You're seeing the impermanence. You're seeing the suffering. And so there's a lot right in there in what we're talking about here. You know, so here's a very experiential way to see these characteristics of conditioned phenomena, right? I just want to add that I have that experience all the time, too. Right? Is it, I'm sure... A lot of people have that experience, right? You get there and like, feeling the breath, feeling the breath. Oh, God, I'm really getting good at this. <laughs> you know, and your mind starts like commenting. I haven't had a thought and like, oh, shit, wait, I'm thinking. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's just what the mind does, you know. And then the judgment is extra. Oh, shit, I'm not as good at the, I'm bad. Never going to get it. Mindfulness, one of the um, descriptions of mindfulness is non-judgmental awareness. Yeah, right. I mean, but the experience itself is just awareness without, the, you know, seeing the judgment is extra. I'm good, I'm bad. Just breath, just thoughts. Of course, we're so identified with our minds. Of course, the mind's going to comment, you know, and we're going to get identified with it. And then just relax again. Oh, okay, thinking. Return to the direct experience. Natural process. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.